first.
Please join me in the reading of the Litany of Invitation and Confession. On this Ascension Sunday, we need not stare into heaven looking for God, for there are signs of God's presence all around us. Let us live our lives believing in the God of Easter. We God's On this Ascension Sunday, we confess that often we are more comfortable with Christ in heaven than we are in being the body of Christ on earth. Sisters and brothers, God has forgiven us. Christ's blessing empowers us to love neighbors and friends and even our enemies. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. On this good day, we gather for praise and worship. We gather with friends and we gather with newcomers as well. So if you're a guest today, uh, welcome to our sacred space and this time of, uh, of worship. A lot of our folk are traveling by this time of the uh, early summer, but you have traveled to be here, so welcome. There is on the edge of your order of service a welcome uh, card or response card. If you're a guest, fill that out so I can connect name and face with you and drop that in the offering plate. Uh, we had guests this morning of Doug and Gail in our church school class, so uh, we were glad you were with us, and as with uh, all of you. Drop that in the offering plate, and it'll help me connect name and face with you. And also, it's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you each week by name and by need. And so if you'd like to place a request for prayer... Put that on the card and drop that in the offering plate as well. Like uh, it was in our opening, uh, our opening litany, this is Ascension Sunday. And the uh, picture on the front of your order of service is from our windows. You see where it is? You found it? That's right. It's right there. It's Elijah's fiery chariot ascending. And the early Christians used the ascending eagle. And then there's the... Cairo, the victorious Cairo, all a part of that. But as the litany said, just because Christ went up doesn't mean that God hasn't stayed down with us. Even just next week, we'll celebrate Pentecost with the coming of the Spirit and uh, as we, we, we live to be the body of Christ among us. Some of that was the theme in our church school this morning. We got off to a wonderful start 
with our church school series that the Adult Education Committee and Daniel helped uh, craft for us. Dr. Fred Downing was a leader to speak of a spiritual uh, a biography of Clarence Jordan, who uh, founded Koinonia Farms just south of America's Georgia. Uh, and it was a good word of challenge, I think, uh, to, be, to be present in the world we live in, not a world uh, that we've imagined uh, or, or, or from, from biblical, uh, let me start that over. To live in the world that we are, to incarnate the presence of God, the presence of Christ among us, uh, that's the challenge and that's what we are up to. Daniel and I are preaching this summer a series of sermons that will parallel that biographical thread. It's going to be from the lectionary text and it's called Characters with Character. And it's not necessarily, I'm not using your lives, though I can see plenty of characters sitting in front of me right now. But from the Bible, and today it is, I'm going to preach a brief sermon on the entire life of the Apostle Paul. So I'll pray for you, if you will pray for me. Even as we come to worship, uh, my heart is uh, heavy and pulled apart uh, with the twelve who were murdered in Virginia Beach by, again, too many guns, too many guns. And so what do we do about that? Uh, what would a Clarence Jordan call on us to do about that? Uh, Hal Meeks and so is uh, burying his father today down in Waycross, and several of our folk have gone to be with him and that family. Uh, Nancy Davis fell this morning in our church building, so some of you saw an ambulance just come by to, to get her, to take her to the hospital. She says she's not injured badly, but, you know, we need to, to do what we need to do. So we pray for Nancy. We bring all of these prayer concerns, wrap them and bundle them in prayers and hymns, and listen to the scriptures as they call us. That's what we'll do right now. Welcome. Paul and Silas are in prison because of their faith, but they are liberated by the Holy Spirit. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days, but Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And at the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. Here ends the first lesson. Now let's pray together. God of great joy of Eastertide, God who raised Jesus from the dead, raise joy within us now in gratitude, for we are in desperate need of both of these things in equal measure. God, we're tired of so much, our busyness and our laments, We're tired of violence every week, of praying for the violence to end. We're we're tired of angry men with their guns shooting up schools and workplaces and theaters and churches and mosques and synagogues. We're, We're tired of it. We just want to have joy and gratitude, but the world keeps intruding in. And so we pause to lift up those whose lives have been ended and upended, both here in our congregation and abroad. And yet, amidst our grief, we acknowledge your presence, for you are always here. The one who raised Jesus from the dead, the one who created all that we can see, all that we cannot see, the one who can give us body-shaking, earth-shaking joy if we would just let you. For we have so much to be grateful for. Our lives and our vocations, our vacations, our aspirations, our plans, our family, our friends, our love, our church. We need good news, so come be the good news for us. Come gospel us this morning in the name of of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The inclusive love of God is celebrated in heaven a reading from the Revelation given to John. See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, to repay according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. 
Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let everyone who hears say, Come, and let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. The one who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. Here ends the second lesson. If the children would please come forward at this time. Thank you. I think it's just these two children. (laughs) Come on, you two. All right. Look, Pastor James and Pastor Tina are going to sit with us. This is our fluffy cloud this morning because today is Ascension Sunday. And we kind of talked about this last week. Do you all remember when we saw these, um, these pictures last week? Our pictures of the Ascension that you remember? And we looked at these last Sunday. And then Leah drew her picture of the Ascension. Will you show everybody your picture? Oh, Mommy dropped it. Sorry. And then Maggie Johnson drew hers. And that's what she imagined. There's God up here and a mom who says, Oh my, <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with their kid. And then, <laughs> and then um, Aaron, Aaron folded, since I said he could, he folded a uh, paper airplane because Jesus is ascending. And so... He's going to ascend up here. There he is. Jesus has ascended today. So today is the end of Easter. And because it's the end of Easter and Jesus has ascended into our fluffy white cloud here, we're going to imagine that's where he ascended. Um, and he, he talks to us and we think a lot about what's coming next. And so today I brought this and this. Will you all hold those up? And sometimes we think about these two things being like, the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we say the Holy Ghost. But we don't. Maybe we don't mean a real ghost, but we don't really know what the Holy Spirit looks like. Sometimes we only feel the Holy Spirit, like that wind. And we're going to talk more about that next week, because when Jesus ascends, he doesn't leave us alone. He says he'll send another to be with us, and that's the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to learn more about that next week with Pentecost. Maybe more of that fire, maybe more of that dove. So let's close our eyes and say a little prayer, okay? Dear God, thank you for the presence of Jesus on this earth and in heaven and always in our hearts. And thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who abides with us forever. Amen. Okay, Leah, come on. Aaron, can you put the dove back? Thank you. Leah, can I have my flame?
The story of the ascension of Christ and Christ's blessing of his disciples, a reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. The gospel of the Lord. So I want to use so I want to use the first lesson that we heard read today about Paul and Silas in jail and use that text to preach upon and preach a brief sermon on the life of the apostle Paul. Now there are a few problems with that, I know. One is few people like Paul. Right? Most of them are sitting here in the sanctuary today, I'm guessing. I mean, some of us have problems with, uh, like, 1 Corinthians, where he says women are to keep silent in the churches. Or in 1 Timothy, women should not teach men, he says. People, all sorts of people, use and misuse the Apostle Paul. Our former uh, Attorney General, uh, Jeff Session, quoted Paul, you remember, in Romans when he was speaking uh, to justify the treatment of asylum-seeker families at the border. Yeah, I know, few people like Paul. Another reason is there's such a distance between Paul of the first century and your life and mine in the 21st century. Paul didn't have carpools to arrange or aging parents to tend to or grandbabies to birth or celebrate having been born. Uh, jobs to look for, jobs to endure, heat waves to tolerate, the politics, oh, and the guns everywhere. It seems as if we are reaping the whirlwind. Yeah, there's a lot of distance between Paul's life and yours and mine. Last reason I think it's a problem to name is there's just too much of him. There's a lot of Paul. You know, you want to, how you want to measure it, he's attributed to about half of the New Testament writings in some way were connected with him. Uh, trying to preach a brief sermon on the Apostle Paul is like trying to stuff a porcupine into a small paper bag. You might get it done, but it's going to be more sticking out than fits in. And so, just warning, I'll do the best I can. Paul lived a large life. 
And here are three character traits of this character with character that I want to connect uh, for us, that I admire. The first is how he treated his history, how he treated his own history. He harvested the best of his history, and he was not held hostage by the worst of it. Not a fair thing to say. He harvested the best of his own history. You heard him, heard the text that he was in jail. He and Silas were in jail, uh, beaten with rods, it says. So he is bleeding. So his shoulders are probably bruised. Some of his ribs are probably broken. And his feet are in the stocks. And what are Paul and Silas doing? Uh, well, if, it was, if I were there, I'd be complaining a lot. They were singing hymns of praise and prayer to God. How about that? Singing hymns of praise and prayer. What do you think they were singing? Well, maybe Amazing Grace, or maybe I'll Fly Away, or Immortal Invisible. No, probably not. He was singing from his hymn book, from the Psalms, the Psalter, probably from the Hillel Psalm, Psalm 111 through 118, and then Psalm 136. Psalms that tell that God is God and with us even in the most difficult times of life. He called upon the best of his heritage to get him through the hurts of that day and every day. He drew from his heritage and metabolized it to live true to his faith and into hope. His, Pharisee, his daddy was a Pharisee. He mentions that in one of his sermons, that I'm a Pharisee as was my father before me, and that is probably some of the story that made Paul into being who Paul was. I think he was probably always haunted by his uh, participation in the murder, the first Christian martyr, Stephen. He didn't throw a stone to kill him, but he held the cloaks, the coats of others as they picked up the stones and killed him. But eventually, his theology that he worked so hard to build in a certain form, I would say, of his Jewish faith, the walls that he built of his theology collapsed in on him. It came apart on the Damascus Road, and he gets liberated. I always think of the Apostle Paul as Javert. I haven't mentioned Les Miserables in three or four weeks, so it's time to remember it. Here's Javert, who is an airtight moralist until the cognitive dissonance and soul dissonance breaks it apart. For him, it went one way, but for Paul, it broke, it, broke him open rather than broke him down. I liked what Fred said earlier today about uh, Clarence Jordan, that as he was writing those cotton patch gospels, and many of you have seen Tom Key pre present that, as he was writing those, he was rewriting himself. I bet Paul was up to that, and writing all those letters was not only uh, giving others his thinking and theology, but, but you can feel the gears grinding in Paul's soul of his own theology evolving. He harvested the best of his history and did not let the worst of it hold him hostage. That's one. 
Here's the second thing. Real religion is about real relationships. And I think Paul lived that way. I've often thought of him as the Lone Ranger, mainly because I I don't think anybody else could have put up with him. I mean, would you want to go have a Coca-Cola or or a beer with the Apostle Paul? Uh, I mean, you know, the conversation would be a little intense. And yet, he was one of the most connected people in the Bible. Every one of the letters he writes, it starts with, I'm Paul, and I'm here with Silvanus, and I'm with this one, and this one, and this one, and they send their greetings, and then by the end of the letter, don't forget to tell so-and-so hello, and -and so-and-so, and -and so-and-so greets them. There are all these names that we, we don't know who they were, but they were known by Paul, and Paul, and, and they knew Paul. I remember, for instance, uh, I think it was Harry Emerson Fosdick that preached this sermon on the, the journey of Demas, the discipleship of Demas. Demas is mentioned three times in the New Testament in the letters of Paul. And the first one said, Demas is with me, my fellow disciple. The second time it just says, and Demas is here. And the third time it says, and Demas has forsaken me. Kind of a story arc to Demas but also the importance of relationships, even those that go sour and end up in cutoffs. Paul, you know, was bivocational. He wasn't like me, a mutant. He was the real thing. He was a tent maker as well as a missionary. And what do tent makers do? You know, they take things that are separated like fabric and they stitch them together. They take two things and make them one. That's what he did in his theology of law and grace, of Gentile inclusion and affirming Jewish holy history. Without Paul, we may not have had that communion table story. It would have gone very differently, but he salvaged it for us. For me, being the curator of communion... What the story is, is not about who's in and who's out, not about who can participate and who can't, but the story is that according to this table, God is all in. That's it. God is all in, in our story, and God wants to nourish us inside it. We connect with each other. It's one of our our primary values of the church. Occasionally I visit with prospects uh, who join, and I remember one a few years ago met for coffee, and he had a a list of all these doctrines that he had downloaded from the Internet, and each word had like 50, I bet, micro, like two-point font uh, scriptures to validate all of these. There was about 12 of them. And he says, so does your church believe all of this? In this way, and I said, you know, (laughs) I tell you what, why don't you come hang out with us for about two months? And if you've hung out with us for about two months, you'll figure out what we believe. You'll learn how we love. You'll learn how we try to speak to the faith. You'll learn how we make mistakes and believe in grace. Come and hang out with us, connect with us, and you'll figure out what we believe. Real religion is about 
real relationships. The best of his history. I'm sorry, a lot of popping today, isn't it? The best of his history. The best of his history. Well, hey, thank you. You see what it took to get an amen? <laughs> All right, we're done now. That's enough. <laughs> we, we have to govern these things, you know. Uh, you know, well, never mind. I'll go back to that later. Here's the third thing. Paul lived until he died. Don't you want to do that? Not all get that opportunity because of palliative care and other issues and, and struggles that we have at the end of life, but Paul lived till he died. Uh, there's this African quotation that says, when death finds you, when death find, death will find each of us. When death finds you, may he find you fully alive. I think that's the way it was for Paul. Remember, he wrote his own epitaph, his own obituary. I have run the race, finished the course, and kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Speaking of obituaries, didn't you love Hal Meek's obituary about his father that I sent to the congregation? Uh, it told a good story about Roy Meeks, who died at 98 years old. I especially liked the line, My father was, proud, uh, was a proud U.S. flag-flying American, but he had no use for the Confederate flag and the nostalgia over the lost cause. He considered the Confederate flag an insult to his African-American neighbors and to the United States. When death finds us, may he find us fully alive. Paul allegedly died in Rome and was probably beheaded, though we don't know how the actual ending came. My hunch is when it came and the executioner brought in the sword, Paul said, uh, oh, I have some last words. Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? And he quotes what was written in Romans 8. Can anything separate us? Can uh, apparel or sword or famine, neither life nor death can separate us from the love of God. That was the favorite scripture that Carolyn Sherman, a former parishioner up in northern Virginia, uh, had when I was the pastor there. She loved that scripture so much that uh, a group in the church decided at her funeral they were going to have it written on the cake that was served at the reception. Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Can fam famine or nakedness or peril or sword? None of these things can separate it. All of that was written as script. And, and a, the group wanted to hire a uh, Dixieland jazz band to play at her funeral. And the more they got it planned, the more they said to me, you know, it's a shame that Carolyn's going to miss this. And I said, well, you could just ask her if she would like to attend her own funeral. And Carolyn being Carolyn, Carolyn said, yeah, I'll do it. And so she had pancreatic cancer. They thought it went away, but it came back with a vengeance. She was getting near the, the end of life, but was still ambulatory. 
And so we had the funeral so that she could attend. Everybody showed up more than for the preacher's anniversary, for sure. Everybody showed up. We put out the tables in the youth room, you know, that area of the church that you can't figure out what to do with, so you put the youth in it. Well, that's where we put all the tables. Everybody showed up. There was the cake. There was the Dixieland band. And we cut that cake that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And when the band played, you know, with the little striped vests and the straw hats, they played Come On Along, Come On Along, Alexander's Ragtime Band and all of those songs. And then when they started playing Just a Closer Walk With Thee, that's when Carolyn walked over and extended her hand to take Walt's hand. Walt, whom she had taken his hand 50 years ago in Jackson, Mississippi, Donette, at a USO dance. She was 18 years old, and he was a 20-year-old young Navy man. They decided to get married. Of course, it would never last, but they were married for over 50 years. She took his hand once again, and they danced to just a closer walk with thee. And none of us ever forgot that last dance because three weeks later, she died. But we remembered that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Carolyn was a character, wasn't she? And so was the Apostle Paul, a character with character, But maybe Paul was not as appalling as I once thought. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to response and dedication is also offered. A time for us to calibrate our love and our hope uh, and our courage with God. We sing a gospel song today, a gospel hymn, that speaks of God's care for us. Number number 619. Let's stand together and sing.
I'd like to bring a few celebrations and concerns and announcements to you this morning. Uh, first, uh, I want to thank again Dr. Fred Downing for being here. You joined us in worship. Thank you for the gift of um, your scholarship and your life. Uh, you really gifted us this morning at, during our church school hour. He, if, you, if you missed it, he was presenting on uh, the life of Clarence Jordan, and we thank you. Come to uh, the church school at 930. Uh, it really starts at 945, but we tell people at 930 to give some waiver room. Uh, for, the, for the next few Sundays during summer, and we'll be presenting on spiritual biographies. We'll have uh, Dr. Karen Massey, Dr. Larry McSwain, Dr. Jim Mahaffey. You have to be a doctor to present, I don't know, but if you are, you're going to be invited to present at least. So we're looking forward to that. Please join us at 930. As you heard uh, James say in the gathering, we have many to pray for. Uh, we, we lift up Nancy Davis, who fell. We pray for her recovery. We'll be checking on her after the service. For J.B. Gilbert, uh, who is in the ER at St. Joseph's at this hour, um, suffering from abdominal pain, uh, we pray for clarity and recovery quickly uh, for J.B. Virginia is on her way to meet him now. For Hal Meeks and his family, as they gather at 3 p.m. in Waycross, Georgia, to bury Hal's father, Roy. For Steve Sheely, who buried his father yesterday. Uh, and for many others that, that we've mentioned before that you hold in your hearts, we lift up many to pray for, many concerns and grief. We give them to God. Um, we, we sang last week uh, the traditional arrangement of the hymn that you're about to hear is the offertory. This week, adapted by Aaron Copeland and uh, with a different arrangement. Gather with the saints by the river. Soon we'll reach the shining river. Soon our pilgrimage will cease. And soon our happy hearts will quiver with the melody of peace. May we have a taste of that now, in this moment. Let's continue our worship.
celebrating communion today by kneeling at the rail and by intention, by taking the bread, dipping it in the cup, and then eating. We always say, or I always say, this is not our table. This is Christ's table. And so all are invited. Take a look at the service of Holy Communion in your order of service, and let's read responsively. The peace of Christ be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with all the company of heaven who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing. may be seated. On the night of Jesus' suffering and death, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, and having given thanks, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We celebrate the, the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God, through this meal that speaks of both sacrifice and thanksgiving, recalling Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. We celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church that we may remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ our Lord. And hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, 
and the glory forever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. All people are welcome at this table. Take these gifts in remembrance that Christ died and was raised. And therefore, let us come to the table in thanksgiving and hope. Amen.
stand for prayer. All loving God, we give you thanks for having refreshed us at your table, for we have celebrated the presence of Christ. Deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth into the world in strength and in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. And so as we prepare to go, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope 
and give you courage this day and every day as we go in peace. Amen. Amen.